From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It's obviously a good opportunity to do a third one yeah. and a last one. I don't, look, I don't want to spend all my life uh, uh, doing, doing <laughs> movies. I love them, but I, I think it's good to, to put an end to it. But um, let's see. Director Pablo Larraín has created a niche for himself with his depiction of powerful women in history, beginning with Jackie Kennedy, played by Oscar nominee Natalie Portman and Jackie, and now Princess Diana through the lens of Kristen Stewart and his newest film, Spencer. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, Larraín tells us that his next entry of this type of reimagined biopic would be his last of this particular string of filmmaking, culminating in a trilogy. But first, our award circuit roundtable dissects the recent Critics' Choice and Golden Globe nominations and any surprises or snubs we found. It's all on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Why, hello, everyone, and happy holidays, I guess. By the time you're listening to this, like we're a week away from Christmas, and then 2022 is right behind us, and it's crazy, um, and now I'm panicking. So sorry about that. I'm Michael Schneider from Variety, joined as always by, first off, the most tested duo in all of entertainment journalism. They are definitely <laughs> physically in perfect shape. Janelle Riley. Oh, so far from the truth, but I do not have COVID. That's what I can tell you. Okay. <laughs> right now, as, as of two hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you'll be testing again in another two hours, right? Jazz Take, who's had about five tests over the weekend. Exactly. Knockwood. You know, gonna gonna take a test right after this, so we'll find out. Vaxed, double vaxxed, triple vaxxed, quadruple vaxxed. We are all in good shape. Oh my gosh. And joining us this week for the last time. It is our tribute to Danielle Terciano. Can we just say that I'm not dying? I mean, that made it, that made it a little bit maudlin, I think. I'm, I'm fine, guys. I don't have COVID either. Well, Danielle, welcome. Thank you for jumping in. Um, uh, best thoughts to our buddy Clayton Davis, uh, whose father passed away last week. We're, we're, we're thinking of you. We love you and uh, hope all the best for you and your family as well. And uh, hope to hear you and see you again soon. So let's kick things off by, I guess it's award season, apparently. Like, was this in the news? There are nominations. There are things happening. I woke up at 4 a.m. on Monday to go to the uh, the Beverly Hilton to see just what was going on with the Golden Globes. So a lot going on. What was that like? I I'm, didn't even know they were doing something in person. Was it crowded? Was it was there pomp and circumstance? It was not. It was definitely a lot more subdued than your typical place. Uh, not as many uh, camera crews out there. None of the entertainment magazines, except for Inside Edition, were there. No ET, no Access wow. Hollywood, none of the morning shows, uh, none of the local affiliates, except I think KNBC was there, but KTLA, which generally does the most local entertainment coverage, was not. So that was really interesting to see everyone sort of decide they weren't going to show up, which baffled me a little bit because, sure – Maybe it's a different year. Maybe you're not ready to cover the nominations like you did in the past, but it's also a news story. Uh, that's why I was there is, okay, so what are they doing? How are they doing it? And and why is Snoop Dogg here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought him up. I mean, that's the burning Snoop question. Dogg, yeah, right? Was the surprise of the morning and just... And the line, the line of the morning, Mike, in your story where it was like, he's a friend of the organization, but we don't know what that means. 
<laughs> because true, like, was he paid to be there? I mean, does he actually have friends that are in the organization? Like, what does that mean? And why was HFPA so cagey about that, too? I, you know, we all asked them, like, okay, so just tell us. I'm sure there's, like, a fun story behind Snoop Dogg. Like, maybe someone uh, involved with the HFPA is buddies with him or, or someone reps him. Or, like, there's, there yeah. had to have been kind of an interesting backstory. But they're just like, no, he's a friend of the HFPA. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And I am going to guess he's not an early riser. In general, so the fact that they got him there mm. so early in the morning <laughs> to put on like a nice face and announce those awards and you know is is it's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. fair play, fair play to him. He deserves an award for yeah. being there <laughs> at like four o'clock in the morning and saying all those names. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. They gave him a lot to do at five in the morning for poor Snoop Dogg, <laughs> and and you're right, he doesn't need to do this, even if they paid him. He doesn't need sure. the yeah, money. Yeah, you don't need to do so, it. But what's the incentive? Yeah. The sausage. I saw your photos, Michael, <laughs> of the sausage there, spread. But there was no bacon. There was. I heard there was right. turkey bacon and no. sausage. And I was like, no, no. You That's did. You, cool. Everyone's mad at you guys anyway. And then you want to make <laughs> them more mad by not giving them real bacon. I. That was a choice, in my opinion. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was bizarro TCA breakfast mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. actually they even had someone like serving the coffee. Like you couldn't get the coffee on your own. It was, it was interesting. But um, yeah, it was, it was subdued. Uh, I think, interestingly enough, the nominations themselves were fine. I mean, sure. there were no real yeah. embarrassing moments. They, they did what they should have done this year in most categories. So uh, it's, it's sort of you know, more an issue of, okay, so what are the Globes next? And what are they going to be doing? And and we'll find out, I guess, in the coming days and weeks. My guess is it's going to be a, kind of a banquet with uh, HFPA members, mostly, um, you know, announcing winners. Not unlike uh, kind of the, what the TCA Awards do every year untelevised, except TCA Awards does have talent show up. I don't think they're going to show up. And even Helen uh, Hona, who's the president, said they're not expecting any celebrities or a red carpet this year. What about ads? Have you seen anyone advertise yet that they're a Golden Globe nominee? It's only Tuesday when we're recording this, and I know the nominations have only been out for a day, but I'm really curious to see if people will, like, tout it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, when Mike said things, you know, they're a bit cagey about Stoop, like, talk about social media reaction being cagey. Like, everybody posted about the Critics' Choice nominations and how glad they were, and then some snubbed they, you know, pretend that they never even got a single Golden Globe nom. And then you get some like John Chu, who was just so happy to celebrate, you know, in the Heights that he posted it. So, but I don't think I've seen any ads. I'm trying to. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't seen any solo ads, but we did see yesterday social posts that effectively they could use the same art for an ad that said Critics Choice and Golden Globes. So I almost wonder if for some studios and and some talent, that's the way to do it. Like they acknowledge that they got both because they want to be considered for both actual trophies, but they're not going out of their way to campaign or to put extra money behind one. I don't know. I think that's what in the next few days would, to me, is what's interesting about this is everyone stayed so quiet during phase one. Now we see what they did. And as Mike said, like, it wasn't embarrassing. They, they nominated worthy people and worthy shows, worthy films, I, I think maybe more than some previous years. And so do people have a change of heart? Do they want to say, okay, we're going to support this now? I don't know. 
There was no nomination this year that was like music. The Sia mm-hmm. movie, you know how there's that usually one head scratcher. Like yep. the nominations were fine. I was really happy to see Cyrano get a best picture nomination um, from the Globes in the musical category. So many musicals this year, you know, they should be recognized. I think the big winner, aside from Squid Game, which I'm sure you two will talk about, uh, mm-hmm. of the nominations between Critics' Choice Awards, Golden Globes, and uh, Independent Spirit Awards is Troy Kotzer from CODA. Mm. Scored all three when I think all eyes early on in the season were on Marley Matlin to score a nomination. I sure hope she still does. But he is emerging as, you know, the, the standout from that movie, and I couldn't be more thrilled. And he got a, a Spirit Award nomination this morning, too, which was, like you said, like it's just solidifying his place as the, start, the standout of this movie. Um, very excited for him. Me too. Were you happy for Ben Affleck getting the tender ball? Yeah, I mean, I think Ben Affleck in the last two years has given three of the best performances I've seen and can't seem to make any headway with Oscar. So if it had been tender bar, if it had been the last duel, I would have been happy with either. But he is so good in the tender bar. So is there any film that after the, the spate of nominations has has really seen its its stock rise? Is, is there something in particular that people uh, are now kind of given a second look at? I think Cyrano is starting to show that it could be a player. Got uh, Peter Dinklage got a Critics' Choice nomination as well. Um, it's a late entry, so um, I, I love this movie. And I, when I've seen it with audiences, they love it. So I'm very curious to see how that plays. I think Coda, you know, there was some doubt earlier on, like it came out so early. Are people watching it? I think like that's starting to show it's got some legs. Um, Nicolas Cage got a Critics' Choice Award nomination for Pig, made me so happy, did not get a Spirit Award nomination, kind of surprised me. Uh, West Side Story obviously showed up a lot, um, and that was a late player. I mean, that and Nightmare Alley, which showed up, didn't show up in the Globes, but showed up a lot with Critics' Choice, and those were the last two films to screen. Um, oh, so that was strong showing for Lost Daughter, too. Yeah, these last few days, yeah. which which is thrilling. Um, happy to see Simon Rex in the Independent Spirit Awards race. Danielle, uh, from the TV side, some interesting choices. Uh, going back to Critics' Choice, which was a couple weeks ago, um, Evil sort of uh, making its way into the the conversation uh, from Paramount Plus and the Kings, of course. So that that's sort of an interesting one that really hasn't been kind of on that awards radar until now. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because the last time they did the Super Awards, I think there is the, I don't, think that, I don't know if that's the full formal name, but it, it got a nomination for Best Horror Series. So it's like, well, at least we know they're watching that show. I didn't think that it would crack the best drama overall here because there are just so many others. So like that to me was probably the biggest surprise of that morning. Not, not just all the actors also seeing nominations across the, the two King shows, um, good fight and evil, but that evil cracked into the, the drama series race. I was like, that's kind of really cool because it's knocking down some more genre virus. It's proving that like, sometimes these other voting bodies do some things that are very unique and worth watching. It's such a good show, and I have always said that if it were on HBO or, like, Netflix, I feel like it would be sweeping the Emmys every year. But because it's on Paramount Plus and it's a genre show, it's not getting the respect it deserves, and I hope this is a start. Well, isn't it interesting, interesting. though? 
Uh, CBS. Sorry, it's good. No, CBS. yeah, you yeah. go, you go. We're saying the same <laughs> thing. You go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what we're both about to say is, yeah, uh, obviously moving from CBS to Paramount Plus, at least now it has that streamer patina and that's already paying dividends. Wow. So you think it's more, you think a move to Paramount Plus is actually like raises it in prestige? Feels like it. I think more people were able to actually watch it and like on their own time. I think even because when it was on CBS, it was always streaming after. But I think it was just a different audience. And I don't think that... You know, if you missed an episode, you didn't necessarily know to go watch it on Paramount Plus, where to find it, whatever. Now, especially because both King shows are there. And I think that if you're fans of those writers, like you're just following them there. And so you just know, like, this is where I go for that content. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, it worked for that group. I mean, and certainly that group is, you know, they're critics. They, they do this for a living. I don't know that it'll translate the same way for Emmy is where these people are peers and it's harder for them to know where to find stuff because they're not just going to these streaming services for their jobs. Wait, Janelle, you, know, you of- just discovered The Good Fight? Sorry, Mike. Uh, I am apparently the only person on the planet who didn't watch The Good Wife. Um, oh I catch episodes here and there and liked it, but I never got hooked. Um, I always heard about how great The Good Fight was, but it really wasn't until season one of Evil, and I got so hooked on that show that I really fully got into The Good Fight, and yes, I am ashamed. It's so good. <laughs> it's the kings. They deliver... Better late than never. Stella. Yeah, exactly. Stella TV. I was so happy to see Christine Baranski get nominated yeah, yesterday. That was insane for the Golden Globes because I was like, you know, that she she's somebody who they've nominated before for Sybil, but they never acknowledged her in Good Good right. Wife. They didn't acknowledge her in Good Fight, and all of a sudden now it's a season five show and they are acknowledging her. And I was like, I'm glad, but I'm also like, where'd that come from? Yep. Yeah. Well, I remember how long it took the Emmys to recognize Andre Brower for Homicide. And every year people were like, how are you overlooking this? And they, they finally, finally uh, shaped up and like, gosh, I don't know, maybe the third or fourth season. Mm. Yeah, sometimes it, it takes a while. And, and sometimes because of the cycle and the scheduling, you have situations that Danielle and I have talked about, like somehow Succession has never been nominated by SAG. That obviously will be rectified this year. Um, how could it not be? But uh, the other like interesting thing, Danielle, I'd, I'd be curious your thoughts. Going to the Squid Game, since that's, you know, it is the moment. It is in the zeitgeist. It's being nominated by all these shows now. Do we think it's peaking now? And how's that going to impact its performance at the Emmys? Is it still going to be a player come Emmy time? Or will have people kind of OD'd on the Squid? what a way to put it um it's a good i mean it's a good question i i think it'll still be a big player in nominations um i say that knowing there's also five more months of content coming that a lot of which i don't even know what's coming in the drama category so i'm kind of just basing it on what i do know is around it there are a lot of, you know, a lot of the shows at, that were eligible for winter awards against it are not eligible at the next Emmy cycle because they already had their Emmy turn. So I think, I mean, that alone, I think it's forward momentum from all of the nominations it is getting. And if it starts to win and actually make history by winning 
things, that'll continue to carry it into the Emmy discussion. And then I know Netflix is going to put a lot behind it at any yeah. time. Yeah. So I think, I think there's no way it gets overlooked for a nomination. I just think that um, the, some of the, the acting categories are where I would keep my eye because really Lee Jung-ji is, Jung-jae is the one that got the most nominations here and the most notice. That leaves a whole lot of people that maybe the Emmys want to celebrate for the first time and make their own kind of history. Yeah. I just think back to um, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy sweeping mm-hmm. all the precursor awards, and then the, by the time the Emmys rolled around, Kate Winslet came in and won. But Queen's Gambit still won limited series. True, true. So that's, that's where it's like, uh, I, I don't know. I think that, that her momentum helped the show overall. Oh, definitely. I, don't, I mean, I don't know that... I think I think if Kate Winslet wasn't on that ballot with her, she would have won. But she's oh, Kate Winslet, absolutely. and I think a lot of people were just like, "We're not going to not give it to you for coming back to TV." <laughs> yeah, I think re- like at the end of the day, though, succession, 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 especially with the you know that finale. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh mercy! So, which yeah, nobody I, had seen when they were casting these votes. So. That may affect a lot oh, going forward. Oh, you're right. Oh, well, I'm still rooting for Matthew McFadden. He <laughs> had a very good season. He had a very good finale. Um, so, so yeah, so that'll be interesting on that side. I think comedy is going to be much more of a, a, a jump ball. Um, so it's that that's an interesting space. Uh, loving the only murders uh, in the building uh, uh, recognition out there. But um, and and Danielle, I'd be curious. Like, do you have a, a favorite uh, nomination from what we've seen so far from any of these shows, from Indie Spirits or Golden Globes or, or Critics Choice? I mean, I was really happy to see both Critics Choice and the Golden Globes nominate Reservation Dogs. I wasn't sure that they both would. I, Globes was my big question mark. Did you actually see it? Do you know who these people are? Are you just trying to make a statement? They got the nomination. So even if they are just trying to make a statement. I'm glad they got the nomination because it's that's again I think momentum towards the Emmys and they deserve it. It's not yeah. just you know a diverse show; it's a very good show. <laughs> um, but I would also say that I was really happy the Critics' Choice gave the other two a nomination as well because yes. I think that's like a sleeper in some ways that a lot of people were not as aware of it in season one, and you know now it's it's building. And I think season two was a lot funnier than season one. I think they came into their own, but I also think that the move to HBO Max did not hurt. And all of this, you know, getting deeper with characters, seeing character growth um, and taking them into different places. I'm hoping that that this is kind of the start for them as well as just like a slow builder. You know, it's, it's uh, I'm trying to look forward and be like, well, this is a start of things to come. Very happy about that nomination too. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that also goes back to the the the, the streamer, the the leg up. You know, moving to HBO Max. It's uh, you know, there, there's definitely you know people. Even if these shows were streaming, like we were saying before, um, there is something about it being even more readily available on one of the main streaming services that gets people to tune in or, or pay attention. Just because who knows the algorithm, like 
sticks it in front of your face um, in the way that it wouldn't have in the past. But I agree with uh, Reservation Dogs. Uh, exciting to see all the attention it's getting. Indie Spirits actually already rewarded it, the best ensemble cast in a new scripted series. So it's uh, you know definitely on its way to a lot more attention, and, and I think it's definitely going to be a contender come Emmy time as well. So Janelle and Jazz, uh, fill us in on the, the calendar. What's what's coming up next film-wise that's uh, opening soon that we should keep be keeping an eye on the coming weekend? Wow. Jazz is everything. I guess, uh, Chris, is it Christmas Day, Nightmare Alley opens? Yes. Um, that, has Tragedy Macbeth opened or... I've just lost track of that. <laughs> no, it's but. so hard to keep track of some of the, like Cyrano <laughs> like, goes into limited release on the 17th. That's but right, I think yes. only for a week, and I would urge you to see it in a theater. It's a gorgeous film. Um, and then do. I think it, it gets pulled to get re-released again in January or February. So it's, That's right. it's so hard to keep track. <laughs> it just is. Um, Nightmare Alley then, definitely. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to, actually, uh, Tragedy of Macbeth, which... You know, I think I've said this several times. I'm not necessarily a fan of that play, and this is a fantastic adaptation. Um, I'm not sure when it's. Uh, oh, it looks like uh, it looks like also Christmas Day. There you go. Yeah, so you want to spend oh. your Christmas Day with the <laughs> Macbeth family or the uh, Nightmare Alley family? Also, I think the Lost Daughter opens You're this right. week before it gets uh, before it drops on Netflix. So that is that stars Olivia Coleman and Dakota Johnson and is directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who's getting a lot of love. Deservedly so. And by the way, I did not know the writer of The Lost Daughter, the novel, um, uh, Elena Ferrante. Um, I did not know that's a pen name. Wait, I didn't either. Thank you, She's because I was at a Q&A. The, the HBO show, the, my brilliant friend. We, we wrote about this, you guys. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was doing a Q and A and Maggie Gyllenhaal said something about being a pen name. And I was like, did everyone know that? And everyone in the audience is like, yeah, you dummy. <laughs> it's okay. Well, We're too busy. Like we don't, who has time to read? Exactly. <laughs> I've read 155 books this year. So yeah, I've I, had time to read. Yeah. I know. I'm the only one that, that says stuff like that. I'm just giving you a hard time. There's, I, I was serious when I said who has time to read, like there's too much TV. There are too many movies. I totally get it. Um, yeah, I might have to swap to audiobooks, right? Yeah, that counts. Well, I guess now that we're heading back to the office in 2022, question mark, there'll be time on the road to listen to audiobooks. But oh, I have so we, many podcasts to catch up on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's true. I haven't listened to many now that I've been home. Can I make one plug about um, all the award nominations coming out? There is an original musical this year with a ton of amazing songs by Sparks. That is not breaking into any of the original song categories. And I know that um, for Annette, Amazon is pushing So Way Me Start. But there's also Sympathy for the Abyss. This is, these songs are incredible. And it kind of boggles my mind that they're not getting any recognition. I, I was baffled by that too, Janelle. I think like, yeah, you and I love Annette. And the songs, that whole soundtrack is amazing. If you haven't seen it, spend time over the holidays watching it. Uh, <laughs> It's a perfect family movie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but seriously, I was happy to see Marion Cotillard get nominated. Yes. Genuinely happy to see her breakthrough. It was like, go HFPA. And if that's where it's going to break through, that's, that had to be it. But um, yes, the songs should be 
breaking through and I don't know why. So music branch, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Go back if you haven't yet and listen to uh, Janelle's interview with the Sparks Brothers, uh, which was fun. So that's that's. In your speaking of podcasts, in your podcast queue, check it out. We're we're giving them too much content. We're giving them too many episodes of, <laughs> of award circuit, but it's it's out there for y'all to enjoy. But um, yeah, well, I think uh, I think that covers it for this week. Um, go out, see some movies, and watch some TV and all that. And uh, shout out to Danielle, who uh, you know we have like. With without her, there would have been no Emmy sections. No, like just the the amount of work that she's put into these beautiful issues that we did, and all of our Emmy coverage, and the amount of stories, and and just like everything that you've done for Variety, Danielle. It's 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 just an incredible body of work, and you're definitely going to be missed. So well, thank you. Best of no, luck. I'm going to miss you guys. I'm I'm looking forward, honestly, to just like listening to this as a fan and reading whatever you guys put in those issues next year, because I know there will be the same amount, even though I will not be there to <laughs> shepherd them. Oh, so already. I really you look forward. The bar. I look well. <laughs> the amount had nothing to do with me, so I, I look forward to seeing all of that come together. Um, this is, this is going to be, it's a journey. It's a, it's a big, I mean, it's a big change, I think for, for me. Um, but again, I'm not dying, so <laughs> we will stay in touch. I get really melancholy because you and I share so many issues. And so I see the yeah. schedule. It always says Riley slash Giorgiano. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> now it might oh. just be you, Janelle. It might be oh you doing all Believe the pages. Me, I've had panic attacks about that no, as well. No, it should so. not be you, just you. They should definitely be finding a new me at some point. There um, is no new you. But for exactly. now, it's just you. You, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> it might be good though, because honestly, I, you know, hey, I had so many very specific requests on the TV side and, and now you can just be like, none of that matters. I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I do what I want. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. All right, everyone take their vitamins, be healthy, be safe. And for Jazz and Janelle, we'll see you next week. And thanks, Danielle. After the break, Spencer director Pablo Laberine from Los Angeles. This is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Spencer stars Kristen Stewart as Princess Diana, who grapples with her decision to end her marriage to Prince Charles, played by Jack Farthing. The film isn't entirely true to fact, but instead is an imagining of what might have happened during that fateful holiday period in 1991. Yesterday, you arrived after the Queen. I got lost. Oh, how could you get lost? You've lived over the hill for years. It looks different now. Everything looks different. You sure you went late yesterday because you were delayed by someone? Why would you think I got delayed by someone? Oh, come on, come on. They are circling us. Didn't you know? Don't you read? It seems they're circling just me. Not you. Just me. The thing is, Diana, there has to be two of you. You know, there's, there's two of me, there's two of father, two of everyone. There's the real one and the one they take pictures of. 
Variety's Clayton Davis spoke with director Pablo Larraín about Spencer, and they began by discussing how he feels about finally having the film out on screens. Well, it's a good feeling. Uh, it's the um, somehow the end of a very long process, and and you know we worked really hard to deliver a movie that we like, and we hope others will like it too. And and there's um, an interesting amount of attention on the film, and that's good. Uh, I hope that would make more people uh, get to see it. Uh, but again, Clayton, it's just really fascinating to complete the process it would a movie would never be done until it, it it you know the audience can actually see it and and we really love the process and i also speak for myself i i enjoyed this uh this movie so much um i would do it again <laughs> it, it won't make any sense because it already exists but um um i had a, a really really good time making it does that mean we're getting a Spencer sequel? We're getting a Spencer two after after she drives away? No, 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 no. Why would you would you uh, repeat it? I I I don't I don't think so. I'd, I'd love to work with Kristen, you know, and yeah. anything else. But um, uh, that was my my personal stab on 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 the subject. I yeah, just you know, just be be careful with it. Just do it once as good as possible, and then do something else. That that's my rule. Yeah. Oh no, it's great. Actually, let's let's talk about uh, you and Chris and very un not a pairing I would have put together in my head of of director and star. Like just something that never crossed my mind that you two would do something together, and it was a perfect marriage in that sense of of filmmakers' vision and an actor's interpretation. So, did you always have her in mind for that role, or did you have any other actors in mind? How'd you land with her? Well, no, I, I, I'm of course, a, you know, a fan of her work, uh, particularly in a couple of movies that she did with Olivia Sayas, mm-hmm. um, and and I always felt that she had a very interesting enigma, you know, and 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 sort of a, a mystery, and and it's someone that is very hard to to describe. Uh, at least for sure on screen, which is what what matters in, in this case. And I'm not talking about her public persona. I'm thinking on on what she can do in front of a camera. And and Spencer, it's a, you know it's a it's a movie that proposes a very specific sort of cinematic device, which is to inhabit her perspective and her point of view. So what it was important for the film is was you know to have someone that would that what would that let us you know, inhabit her POV, but at the same time, wouldn't let you completely understand what she's going through. And and that is, a you know, a very interesting balance because you don't really get to understand exactly what she's feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that remains as a mystery and that creates an interesting inter- interaction. I, I will say that I never thought that Kristen was going to get the character and all the you know the mannerism the physicality and and the voice well she had an incredible help from from a, a coach named uh, william conacher who helped us a lot but so quickly i knew for sure she was going to get there i just didn't know how long it was going to take take her to be in 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 the shoes in the proper sort of time and 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 the more internal uh, space, uh, but she got it really quickly, and she was very fearless all the time. 
And from the very first time I talked to her on the phone, we had this really weird and funny conversation the first time I, I called her. Um, and it was a great partner for, for the process. And we were very close during the making on, on, on the movie and, and, and it was so gratifying. And I don't, I don't know, every day was, a, was a, a very special day. And, and in my case, I would tell that, you know, that usually when you make a movie, you know, how long is going to be the shooting, right? So you prepare yourself for that. It's like a marathon and you know that it's going to be a certain amount of kilometers. And, and, and so you're usually very exhausted by the end. And this is the first time that happens to me that when we finished it, I would have keep going for another two months if I could have, you know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I felt super energetic and, um, and I don't know, it was just the joy of making it with uh, Claire Mathon and obviously the rest of the cast and and everyone's process that, that everyone brought different things and and created, you know, a movie that is full of, of love, of panic, of mental distress. And and there's some psychological terror sometimes and there's a healing uh, process near the end as well. So it's a it's a it's a particular movie that that. You know, I'm 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 very proud of it. This is your uh, your eleventh uh, feature film uh, that, that you've directed. Is this the biggest budget you've you've had for a movie yet? Because I mean, it looks like a gajillion dollars, but I know that we, you know filmmakers do amazing sure. things. I, I've done two uh, television works and then nine movies, so that's maybe what you think is eleven. Oh, okay, uh, it's it's the ninth movie, um, uh, and as a movie. Probably uh, yes, is the highest budget that I've worked with, um, which is uh, is like you know I'm blessed. It's wonderful. I I think it's um, you know a good luxury to be able to work with uh, this type of sources and and with the people involved. But believe me, that movies are made in the same way ultimately, um, mm. it, with uh, less or more uh, budget or money involved. Uh, there's at the end of the line, there's something that happened that's so intimately connected with, with the crafting of of cinema that is usually uh, the same in any language in any country, and, and the movies are made in the same way all over. The difference probably is that we got to uh, work with incredible artists, and we got to control what we see and what we hear, and and that is something that that it's it is different, but that is one of the things that happen when you work with more resources that you are able to um to have more control of of, of everything um um yeah yeah so i mean yeah i'm sure that at, like that's a little bit of the stress off your shoulder just having that those few extra dollars to be able to like build a set or shoot for an extra day if, if, if you need to how many days did you did you shoot the entire not a lot not a lot we shot for 37 37 days yeah, um, and and that's you know it's it's an interesting part. Like sometimes, the more expensive the production is, mm-hmm. the less time you have to mm. film it because everything is so expensive. So you don't have a lot of time. Uh, so you need to find a balance in between what you have and the time that you have to 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 film that right. Uh, but it was enough. It was enough for the for what we needed. That it we we worked a lot and we had to travel a lot. Um, and maybe COVID made it help like slower. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, you know, what's weird is that 
thanks to COVID, we were able to access certain places that in regular circles that we have never been able to be really? there for so long. Yeah, yeah, like like certain places that there's a hotel in Germany called Kronberg that we were able to turn into a part of the of the house of Sandringham. And then the exterior, which is another castle that we were able to 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 make it our, our main location. Those places it in regular times, you just don't, it's not about the money either. It's not even, it's just that you just don't have access to to lock that place down for a month or two because they're public spaces or a private place that has another use. But, so it, it allowed us to to have that. Um, but we had a great script, you know, and 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 that is a good start. It's a good, yeah. it's a good guide. And and then uh, besides Kristen, I I was able to to invite actors that I admire and respect, uh, like Tim Spall and and Sally Hawkins and Sean Harris and Stella Gonet and and Jack Farding and and those we found those incredible kids and so it was it was a it was a good thing and and a good reminder that that one of the good tricks on on cinema for filmmakers is to invite people you admire and that people that can do things that way better than that you know how to do or you think you know how to do but they're specialists and incredible professionals like Guy Diaz or or Jacqueline Duran, or even you know Johnny Greenwood, or Wakana, and, and Stacey in the makeup. It's just incredible people that um, that you know decided to collaborate. It's a luxury. Yeah. I'm sure you got. Um, you've gotten this question a million times, but I, I, I have to ask you: Was there any conversation with any of the royal family prior, or have you gotten any word of the reaction about the movie from them since it screened? Not at all. Not oh. at all. And when 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 they say that the royal family is very strict, uh, this script, uh, you better believe it. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Uh, did, did you ask, did you ask to speak with them at all, like uh, beforehand? No. 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 no I I think that uh you know that the royal family is is a, is a good context for the film, but we mm. were you know doing a movie about about Diana and about yeah. her identity as a as a you know her process as a human as a mother um i what 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 i think we were careful in not to make fun of them or to mm. make them look ridiculous or 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 mean or whatever i think what we want to we want to do is to to, to portray people that is trapped in the wheels of history and tradition and and it's a problem that they all have in that inside of that institution in that structure and and we focus on on one person that is there that is Ayana that is the person that decides to leave that organization and walks out and and I just look and I if I care about anyone or anything in 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 this story it's probably about uh, you know the both sons William and and, and Harry Whose people that you know, I I'm sure they have been through go through a painful process uh, because of the loss of their mom. So if there's something that I would like to do is to avoid any to throw more you know more pain to to sure. their story. Yeah. Uh, so we did it with a lot of respect and admiration admiration towards towards uh, towards her, but. At the same time, look, we make movies, you know. <laughs> when, you, when you sit down in the theater, people would go to see it, hopefully would see, would read that it's a fable. That's what we have at, at the beginning, which is what yeah. we do. Um, once once we are inside, uh, we, nobody would ever know what actually happened. 
Um, and that's where the fiction comes in. And that is what, what I think we do. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so we, we, we've done uh, Jackie Kennedy. We've done uh, Diana. Historic women seems to be your, your, your thing right now. Is there anyone on your mind that you would want to tackle next? I mean, even whether you have the funds or not, but is there any figures out there that you would love to, to depict? Well, I, I've been thinking about it. The thing is that I, I just don't think it's a good idea to talk about it before you actually do it. Um, I'm the type of cook that prefers to cook first mm-hmm. then uh, offer. And let me try the food. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me see what, what we're doing and, and then offer it. And, and then also, because I think that it's healthy for, for this type of works to to keep it in a in a an internal process because if i would tell you something i would probably be, be very responsible because i wouldn't really know what i'm what is what i'm chasing you know okay. so you know uh, i think it's it's good to be in 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 the, in, in that process but um but yeah and and just one thing it's uh, whatever whatever it is it's it's on the 20th century <laughs> okay well yeah I was gonna ask, uh, for him, so it's in the 20th century is it someone is it a, can you share if it's like an american or if someone more international no i, I i'm saying i, I don't know I, oh you I, don't know you don't know <laughs> no i'm 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 thinking of reading uh, but uh but uh it's uh let's see let's see it's uh it's it's obviously a good opportunity to do a third one yeah. And a last one. There'll uh, be a last one. So this would be a trilogy. This would be done. Yeah. I, 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 look, I don't want to spend my, all my life uh, uh, doing, doing <laughs> movies. I love them, but I, I think it's good to to put an end to it. But um, let's see. It's uh, it's um, it's been also difficult uh, days to focus on anything else because uh, we're here, very present in this process of of you know promoting and, and releasing the movie and we really want people to see it and, 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 and experience the film on, on a theater that there are weird times for cinema nowadays. Yeah. Um, so it's quite challenging. And, and I've heard these discussions that, you know, that they say that some filmmakers are asking the people to really see their movies in the theater because it was made for the theater and all that. And I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Obviously, you you when you make a movie, you're filming for the big screen for a, a collective experience that is projected on a on a big screen. It's like to would you do you think that a musician would prefer that you listen to their work live or or with big proper speakers than I don't know, and the speakers that's coming out of a phone? I don't think so. You know, it's it's really there's things related to the type of experience and and we all film for the big screen and 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 that's what this movie is going to be and you know come on (laughs) (laughs) so uh we've spoken about this before also but the internet is the internet social media wants what they want they really want that third one to be a britney spears one so i just wanted to ask you is does she interest you as a potential figure in the future if you were to Take, uh, take it I, on. Look, I, 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 I've read it too. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am very curious, uh, as particularly with uh, her relationship with media. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. I don't think it's something that I will actually do. I, 
I think that, you know, let me put it this way. I work with, I've worked uh, with certain people's life um, and, and pieces of their life. And, and it's never really a biopic. I, I think that the, the biopic concept, it's a little bit of a fantasy. because mm-hmm. I don't really think you can put someone's life on, on the screen. So if you like, what it would be very odd is to make a movie, let's say about someone like Britney Spears, but, but who's going to play Britney Spears like her or someone else would be playing and would, would she be on the set looking at herself and looking at, at another person? That operation I think is really weird. Maybe doing mm-hmm. a documentary or something or like a fake documentary, a fictional take on her could be very interesting. I don't know if I am the right person for, to do that. Yeah. But my, my crafting is really on, on, on something else that something that could allow the, the tools of fiction to, to enter and to create uh, something that is uh, less describable and, and further out from the, the biopic world. And, and, and yeah, but I, I think for sure that, that, that she's a very interesting person and I'm, I'm happy that she's free by the way. Yeah. Good. Awesome. Uh, what you were describing, by, by the way, with biopics, I call it the, the slice of life method is always the best method for biopics, which is why I think you have excelled so much in this area, because you don't do the cradle to grave thing that we see a lot. But it's not it. possible. It would never work. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. <laughs> I mean, um, do you think you've seen any, any movies in your life that actually you, you've seen the movie and it's like, okay, that's what, who, who that person was? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because there's always a fictionalized kind of something made for the movies. You're not getting the full. No, but you think you have seen a movie? Oh, I have. Oh, I don't think I have. No. So there you go. I had the same feeling. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a very tricky. uh, It's a tricky genre (laughs) that 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 is out. By the way, what what do you call? So I I I said this to you before. I feel like you've carved out your own niche. I call it. Now we're gonna call it the trilogy, but I've been calling it like the horror biopic genre, and not saying like a horror film, horror film, but it's like it's the like horrors of life, uh, you know, captured. Do you have your own name for it of like what you, what you're calling this process with Jackie and Spencer? Let me tell you something uh, that I deeply believe in is if I, uh, or anyone, I think if, if you focus on someone really close and you follow that person, let's say Clayton, just for the sake of the exercise that I follow you Mm. with a camera for two months and you are at some point uh, ignoring my existence near you and I'm able to enter to your intimacy and your privacy, mm-hmm. you know, you could look in the eyes of others as someone that it's really weird because, because when we observe someone so intensively and we get to inhabit that point of view, maybe that could be considered uh, as, a, as something that has horror elements. And if on top of that, uh, you put, um, you know, music that's coming from the hands of Johnny Greenwood <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or Mika Levy, in the, for, for what it's worth, uh, yeah. then you could think about that. I, I don't think that I understand what you're saying. And of yeah. course, we need to put things in boxes to ever to communicate and to describe them. I, I understand. I respect that. But there is obviously elements of horror and panic, uh, but they come from the most inner sort of ideas of pers- of human perception. 
uh, when you work with uh, with someone that is, especially in the case of Diana, that struggle with things related to mental health, as she described it actually when she was alive, and then obviously that turned into an eating disorder. And she maybe has visions of things that are in front of her that could sort of alterate the reality that she's observating. Um, maybe that could be turned into into something that we could we could consider in that that it's in the space of horror. I I'm okay with that. Um, and I'm fine, and 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 I'm I just didn't I wouldn't know how to do it differently, you know. And I'm just trying to be honest with the way that I that I approach the the work that that I do and um but yeah I insist it's like everyone any of us could could have that perception if 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 were to put a narrative through your own perception I think horror or panic are, are, are a day by day thing that we all experience in little moments it just depends how you see them it's it's all about how you take them I love you, Pablo Lorraine, but I'm just letting you know right now, I can't be your trilogy. You can't end with, <laughs> with my story. It's going to be a really weird no, time. you're alive. You're alive. I, I could, unless you want to play yourself. So that's yeah, it would, be, it would not be good. Um, I uh, I have my, my last uh, big question for you, and this is one I'm very uh, proud to see kind of happening. Um, and, it's, and it shows progress. You know, you're a Chilean uh, filmmaker. Representing Latinos in this in the space, which are so underrepresented in in, in Hollywood, um, you're one of many that are going to be in the Oscar races here for Best Director. It's you, Guillermo del Toro, uh, Reynaldo Marcus Green, Lin Manuel Miranda. Four, like in major films uh, this year. The last time we've had anything close to that was 2006. Uh, Guillermo was nominated that year for Pan's Labyrinth, and we had Inyaritu and Alfonso Cuarón. Um, do you see a nice shift happening for representation, both be not just in front of the camera in films, but behind the camera with filmmakers like yourself? Do you feel hopeful for that future? I I am mixed. I think I think um, uh, there's still a lot to be made. I think. Uh, I think that I am I'm personally coming from a privileged education and a privileged uh, context, context and, and circumstances. So um, I, I think that that there's a lot to be made in, in, in two sides. One is that is that we need to probably improve our uh, equality in Latin America, that in my country is something that we're struggling uh, right now. And I hope it, it just would get better with the election that is happening in a couple of weeks. Um, and and that's something that we need to 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 improve. And then in in terms of the the Hollywood perspective and and the, the world of cinema, I I do think that that there's a lot more to be made. And I think there are incredible voices coming from from our region and our our culture. We have a lot to say. Um, and I just hope that the opportunities are 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 even. You know that's what it is. That's what what you want. Well, you want some evenness in 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 the process, and and there's a lot of incredible talent that has come from from Mexico lately, as you people that you've mentioned. Um, some of them are also coming from the United States. People that you had mentioned too, like uh, like Latins that they're they're actually Americans. 
but I do believe that there's a very interesting voices as well in 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 the other sides of uh, of Latin America, which is in in the south, uh, which is where yeah. I come from. We have a very uh, interesting and and strong perception of of fiction and and even in documentaries as well, I believe. Um, and you know, I I think that the more we have the chance to be heard, uh, the better. Um, I don't know exactly how to fix it. Uh, to be honest, uh, I I wish I could help, um, but if if uh, if if there's something that I could say is that if it's possible, yes, it's possible. Can you can you make a movie that 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 creates attention on the world um, coming from anywhere or in our case from Latin America? Yes, it's possible. We just need the we just need the right amount of opportunities and. And that's that's something relevant. Um, and I hope it just gets better. And we just need to be heard, you know. And 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 that's a mix of things that we we can improve in order to have a, a better voice. But also, again, it's just opportunities. How how do we make them even? How do we have the same opportunities for everyone? Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Thank you. And and I just have to add, like, you're such a great example of what I what I'm talking. I can't speak for everyone, but what I'm talking about when I'm talking about representation, you know, like. Spencer is the story of a white woman, but so through the eyes of a Latino, like that, that that's representation, being able to tell any story you want. It doesn't have to just be Latino stories, you know, and while you do those very well, and please do more of them, uh, you know, it's about telling you know the stories that you feel passionate about of, from that perspective. Course. And, and look, this, this movie was mainly shot in Germany with an American actress mm -hmm. shot by a French DP mm -hmm. with English actors. And then English, uh, you know, composer and and, and, and and production design and custom, uh, and our head of makeup is is Japanese, you know. So, look, it's uh, it's a little bit of Babylonia, you know, Babylon situation yeah. where everyone is just going because I guess Diana was a very universal person that we can all relate to, and that is in the heart of the movie. Um, but yeah, so I speak as a citizen of the world uh, that had the chance to do this. And maybe, you know, my ghosts, uh, where I'm coming from, um, are part of the ghosts that are in the film. But it's hard to know, and we would never know, because a movie like this would never be made again. <laughs> and and that is it's, it's just strange, but it's, uh, it's particular, but it's, it's what it is. That's director Pablo Larraín, the filmmaker behind Spencer, which was released wide in November. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Clayton Davis, and Janelle Riley, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. <laughs>